Fucking worse. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane. I got my girl Jen Padilla with me. What's up, Jen? Hi, how's it going? You know, I'm hanging out. I'm, I don't know where I am. This is where Google Images took me. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful. I like that sunset. You look like you are your home right now? Yeah, I'm in my room. Okay, living it up. The gray wall. So, Nothing fantastic. No, it's fine. Like, we can't all, you know, afford to travel and do pods at the same time. This is reserved for the few. <laughs> I'm just being dumb. All right. So, Jim, you, I'm not native to LA, but you are. So, give me a little background about what it's like growing up in LA because I'm from the East Coast. I used to see it on TV. All I saw was Strat of Compton and Beverly Hills 90210. That, and then the OC when I was like in high school. So, that's what I know. The OC was the truth. Listen, don't see Dude, I love that show too. I'm, Adam Brody was the love of my life. Listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I I may have started wearing tank tops trying to be like Ryan for a little bit. Like, I listen, okay, <laughs> it was 03, it's a long time ago. We all had our phases, we had our phases. So, I enjoyed the OC low key, just putting it out to the people. So, growing up here, <laughs> how, was, how was it growing up here compared to what the TV kind of blew it up to be? Because I know it's not the same. Yeah, it's definitely not the same. Well, I grew up in the Valley, San Fernando Valley. So it's not Beverly Hills. It's mm. not Compton. It's not Hollywood, like all the things that you probably would normally see depicted in films. Sure. Um, I mean, I feel like as an Angelino compared to like a transplant coming in, no offense. No, I'm taking it. I like being um, in Florida. I think we get this bad rap that like you're so LA, but really like the transplants that try to like, BLA or the so LA people. Does that make sense? What is what is being LA? Is that like and we got like what? Is it like that thing? And just like always trying to keep up with like going to like the cool spots, like you know, like catch LA or whatever, like posing for the Mastros. So it's like, you know, growing up here, you're just kind of like, uh, eh, those are all like touristy places. You kind of get familiar with your local mom and pop shops or just kind of like hole in the wall places that are like low key, nobody really knows. So when you bring your friends over and they're coming to visit, you take them to some really cool spots, like legit, you know, it could be any type of cuisine instead of like the standard, like catch LA or Delilah or whatever it is. They're just kind of like, there's a different appreciation. Cause I feel like you know, you see all those things on Instagram and I think it just, it's so surface. I feel like LA has so much more than just those hype places is basically what I'm saying. I like how you mentioned all those restaurants. I've been to none of them. <laughs> I don't know where any of them are. I can't be like, oh yeah, man, catch LA is the truth. When you said it, I was like, West Hollywood, Santa Monica? Yeah, something like that. I mean- I have no I, idea where it is. I never Those been. are the hot spots. Like all the celebs go there, players go there, like all those people go there, but like people chase that. And then they're so unhappy because they're chasing something that's, to be honest, really far out of reach unless you know somebody or you're a celebrity. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people get miserable because they get mixed in the wrong crowd when they first move here. And then they finally find their groove or they don't. And they have this like perception of LA, good or bad. And I kind of feel like that's with anything if you move to any city, but there's a lot of great things about LA. And I feel like a lot of people miss out on a lot because they're just focused on the cool spots. I get that. I remember when I moved here, someone told me, if you can make it two years here, then you'll stay. But if you don't <laughs> make it, but if you move before two years, you probably won't ever come back. 
because it's a grind, like, man, it's exhausting. Yeah, yeah it's expensive. Listen, at the eighteen month mark, I was making calls back to Miami, like y'all still y'all still got that job I left. <laughs> y'all still y'all still hiring? It's like what I'm just saying. I just I didn't know I didn't know what my options are because that exit ramp was looking real tempting. I can't uh, lie. You know, I think about moving honestly. Like I don't. I would love to settle here and have my family here because my family is here. True. Um, you know, I want my kids to be on the, a part of the sports teams that I was a part of, you know, we rooted for Lakers, now Rams and stuff like that. Those are our household sports teams. But as time goes on, you know, I don't know if this is the place that I want to raise children, you know? It's an interesting point. I've never even thought about it in LA. Like I moved here, like the people you mentioned in your opening diatribe, despite the catch LA and all that kind of stuff, the maestros, I did move here. Maestros. To do I'm sorry. What is <laughs> Listen, they're not sponsoring this pod. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. <laughs> they don't get the right pronunciation. They're not sponsoring me. They haven't even sent me an email. Like, hey, come here, get 5% off. Whatever. Um, I moved here, like most people do, to pursue all this, to be connected, to be whatever. And that pursuit was singular. I didn't think about necessarily having kids in this area or buying a home. Because I imagine to buy a home, you have to... 20% of, you know, a nice little $2 million property is like, that's, it was a lot of money. And so I'm not, I'm not even thought that deep into it. Um, as I get older and I start meeting more and more qualified women, I'm using that term loosely, <laughs> qualified meaning they're looking and they're of the right age, not like looks wise. They're in the qualified. running. You've got your own little bachelor show going on for you. Listen, listen man, listen. I'm, Good for you, man. That's, that's neither here nor there. We'll get into that later. But as I meet more of them, then I start asking a question because all of my family is on the East Coast and I don't have any family in California. So I think part of me wants to be near them. Siblings, nieces and nephews, both my parents. Yeah. And my, 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 I have one grandparent who's still over there. And so it's like, I think I need to get to a certain level here before I can actually fully transition back there. I may end up being bi-coastal for real, but- Yeah, I thought of that too where I would be in two cities, it's like split time. Yeah, that's, I mean, that seems to be, but your family's here, so my family's over there. So you'll be splitting cities just to get away. I'll be splitting cities to get like to them, I guess. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, this other way around. Yeah, yeah, no, I so, get that. So I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thought, but it's hard in LA, as you know, because trying to date the right people in LA is difficult. I'm a transplant. So like I come here with my own Southern sensibilities and I'm going to tell the truth and that doesn't work. <laughs> that doesn't work. Do you have it? Do you make money? Nah. You know anybody? Nope. <laughs> like, where do you live? Well, let's not talk about it. Apparently the truth doesn't get you through. Like they need somebody to fake it and, and floss on it. It's not really my game. That's the thing. It's like, everyone's looking for a transaction, you know? <laughs> But here, I just want to clarify, like, if someone's listening to this and they're just oh, like, kind of offended because that, they're in that scene, there's nothing wrong with being in that scene. It's not my scene personally, but I've seen a lot of people get hurt trying to keep up with, you know, you're keeping up with the Joneses, basically. And you lose a lot of your life because you're trying to be somebody that you're not. So unless, um, as long as you're true to you and there's no self-betrayal, like, hey, go live your life, like that's your business. But I'm just saying my observation of a lot of 
people that I've met throughout like my career in dance that have come to LA, like those are their experiences. Just saying, there's no, nothing you're, wrong with it. You're doing the cautionary tale thing. Like, you know, you've, you've been here, you've seen it happen. You've seen people fall victim to it. So I don't think you have to like apologize to anybody because well, everyone's trying to cancel everybody. So I'm just trying to like, <laughs> not on this part. This it's pod, okay. This pod is cancel free. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You can. I don't think you. Can, I don't think you can be canceled. I never seen anybody be canceled for trying to do right by people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people get canceled when they're being maybe covertly or overtly divisive, or mm -hmm. if they're saying something they know is going to rub an audience the wrong way. Yeah. And that audience. Yeah. Right. And that audience has a certain amount of power, and they just say, "We're not going to let this go." I don't, I don't see people being canceled for trying to do the right thing. Like if you were like, let's say you were like on a female empowerment kind of like movement. You're like, ladies, I understand we're all about pushing forward. Maybe I don't endorse the WAP song or something like that. Because, because I don't want my daughter and my nieces, whatever, to feel that's what they have to do. Right? Like, so like you're, yeah, you'll catch some Twitter bars but you won't be canceled for that. It will just be people being like, music has been like this for 40 years, get over it. Like people will come at you on that tip. They'll just play old music that is similar and just yeah. say that, but it wouldn't be, let's get her out of here. Right. Cause it's like, you're cause your intent is good. People get canceled when they're trying to generally come at you, like mm, try yeah. to get that, stink that joke in. So you're not getting, you're not getting canceled in the spot. Great. Now I say this, if you're canceled two weeks from now, you never heard it. You never heard any of this on this pod. I did not endorse, no condone what Chris said on Chris's pod. All wow, right. okay. I'm not trying to get canceled. We've been off for like 102 episodes now. We're moving. Great. So, like I said, dating is difficult for as a transplant coming here and not knowing the lay of the land. As a woman from here, attractive, boss lady, educated. What has it been like for you? Yeah, I, I, I put a lot on you. This that's a dope. That's a dope dating profile. Who are you, boss? Talented, <laughs> attractive. Get at me. Like okay, fine. Given all the things I just mentioned, how has it been for you, dating in the city? And you don't have to obviously. You don't have to say names. Although names make the pot better, but you don't have to say any names. I'm not gonna say names. All right, just to hold the yeah, integrity of the you relationship. Know, <laughs> you know. Live your life, you know, no one's going to make you do anything. Uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, dating, well, I never was an avid dater. Like, I wasn't someone that I, like, sought it out. Like, I wasn't, mm. I wasn't really into it until I hit my 20s because I was just so singularly, singularly focused on dance. And so that took up a lot of my time. And in the household that I grew up, my mom was very strict couldn't really breathe around a guy. <laughs> Did you breathe like, on me? Why are you breathing next to him? <laughs> no, 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 no. Get in that room. That's why I was really protective when we were growing up. And um, so, and I was a tomboy, essentially. Like, I was really athletic. So I played with the boys, you know. We played sports. And so I just, that was it for me with boys. I mean, you know, I had my crushes, like NSYNC, whatever, Adam Brody from the OC, like those are my celebrity crushes. And, you know, I had those. Bye -bye. Yeah. Anyways. And so dating for me was really foreign. And so I dated some interesting 
people in the beginning when I first started that dating journey. You can say bum dudes on this pod. <laughs> Who fully endorse it. It's okay. I I man. You could just kept you just keep it a buck. And I, just, I don't want someone talking about me like that. So I'm not gonna talk about them like that. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just trying to start a pot a little bit. I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. No, you're good. I'll give okay. you the juice. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> um in high school, you know, I had my first boyfriend when I was 16. So we were, you know, in high school, like you're all local. So, you know, they're not transplants. So you kind of have this level playing field of understanding like where you come from in your community and stuff like that. My first boyfriend was great. He was really sweet. I was 16. Um, who the hell knows what to do in a relationship when you're 16 and weird and awkward and trying to figure yourself out. <laughs> um, really sweet guy. Didn't work out. My senior year I broke up with him because I wanted to go through a curious phase, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, hold on. Let me... See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have my sound effects ready, but if I knew was, if I know we were doing this, I would have, hold on, give me, give me two seconds to go ahead and get sound that. effects. Oh my uh, God. Are we in Vegas? Oh my God. We're, we're in Miami. And I just had to get that off because apparently you wanted it. Anyways. So curious, you know, when you're deprived as a child, you know, when a mom says no, you're going to do it anyways. So I was curious and I allowed myself to be curious. And I met a guy that went to the all boys school. Like he was the one at the all boys school and it's crazy. He turned out to be nuts. We dated for like eight months and towards the end of my senior year and he just is crazy. And that's oh. when I experienced, um, uh, physical assault so yeah I was 18 and you know like it was bizarre I I had no idea I was so naive to a lot of things I was really sheltered I didn't know what drugs did to people firsthand um, I mean the only thing you saw in those commercials was like the girl like melted in the couch and was like this is what drugs do to you I want my, <laughs> I want my friend back <laughs> yeah or like the lady with the hole in her throat like don't smoke cigarettes that commercial you know? was traumatizing. Yeah, it was so That scary. commercial ruined everybody. It's like, you know, sometimes I used to be beautiful. And I was like, hey, man, I, I got it. I got it. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> Shut it down. Stop talking. It's like that commercial with oh. that woman with the, the dogs that are like, and it's like, in the eyes. Are you talking about Sarah McLaughlin? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tears of an Angel. It's like, hey, it's man. late at night after your show and it's like these poor dogs just like Listen, and so it's like in the arms of and I'm just like turn this shit out I can't look at this this is terrible two, two in the morning arms of an angel it's, it, you'll be crying before you go to bed just like <laughs> I was watching MASH reruns why would you put this on right now you're watching I'm, cops as a kid and then this comes up it's like you start adopting dogs like how many i'll take all of them i'm 16 i'll take all of them <laughs> it's like yeah, anyway how did we get here that's just how we go brains are tangential you were talking about you didn't know what drugs did to people and then the girls oh anyway so i'm pretty sure he was doing drugs because he just changed completely like he was an all-star athlete like he was you know in the middle of a season so he was big and he just got really skinny and his behavior oh. was erratic and i didn't 
know the signs. And then all of a sudden, like we were at my parents' house, nobody was home and we were about to leave. And then he just attacked me, thought I was going to die. Um, that sounds really dramatic, but it was, I felt, yeah, it was, you know, looking back on it, it was crazy. And the way I processed that, I just kind of shoved it down. I suppressed it and I just went on with my life and I was okay. Um, I'm not exactly religious, but I went to Catholic school my whole life. No. Um, so in those moments, I like prayed in my head. I said, oh God, like, please help me. And somehow I had like this massive strength to break loose because he had me in like chokehold here. And like, this guy's bigger than me, right? So I'm like losing air. And I'm like, great, I'm about to die in my own bathroom. Like, that's great. Um, yeah, so that went on. And that was like my first really traumatic experience, I guess, that I can remember at that time. And I just went on with my life. I had to cheer at a game the next day. And I just wow. did it, covered up like a little bit of scuff marks I had and just went on with my day and didn't even acknowledge it. Because my mom was like advocating for that. She was so mortified. I mean, any parent would. So that happened, you know, to their little girl. So I tried it once and didn't, I didn't go back. I just wasn't, you know, you're 18, you're in this, I don't care attitude. Like I'm resilient, like I'm untouchable. And you have this way with you that like processing something so heavy like that in depth psychologically, I just wasn't there. Like I wasn't ready to accept those things. So hey, that's, listen, so that was, your... yeah. What was that? No, I was going to say that. I think the way you attempted to process it is how most people do, right? Yeah. Like if you talk to any therapist, they usually say, they usually ask you childhood and they start working their way back up. And most of the times there's something along the way that we just like, nah, we just pushed it down. Yeah. You start building your foundation without fixing that part of it. And so everything on top of it is a little bit shaky. Mm -hmm. so at some point you have to go all the way back, fix what that is. It's a lot. It's a lot to just peel back on. And, and, you know, at 18, like, there's no way in hell I was ready to, you know, face that and come to terms with it. Because, you know, you're just, you're 18 and you're, you think you're unstoppable, you know, because you're 18. Um, Indestructible. Exactly. And so after that, to finish up my dating saga, um, I dated I don't honestly I feel like I really just dated in the middle of my 20s like the end of my 20s actually this current relationship I'm in so after that guy I moved to Boston and I met somebody actually that lived here and we did a long distance relationship and then I moved back home and then we were together he was interesting um he there was a lot of self-betrayal on my end Mm. and he was just really a loser sorry listen i asked for the sauce <laughs> earlier you're like it's coming the people were like i need some sauce for this hot dog you're like i got you don't worry about it like awesome this hot dog yeah that's a sauce he was kind of a loser and just made excuses for everything i'm pretty sure he was unfaithful and would deny it every time like he wasn't ballsy enough to just admit it Right. Every time I would confront him, he was a baby. He was a man child, basically. And that was quite the experience. Um, 
How long did you guys do? Pretty sure he was his sugar. I was his sugar mama. We were together for like three years. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, two and a half. So, at what point during this two and a half year relationship did you realize that he was a loser and that he, you might be his sugar mama? Oh, I, <laughs> I hated him for like a whole year. That seems to be the theme of like how I do relationships because it's gonna happen again. So, I just didn't like him for a year, but I just, you know, you get stuck in relationships and you, you, you're afraid of change and you hang on to the, this is supposed to be what this is supposed to be and you can't let it go. And you know, like I had my needs and they were being met. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You, you were very uh, not obvious there. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't subliminal at all. I had my uh, needs <clears throat> and uh <laughs> Yeah, we're not child. We're not children here. We got it. I'm just trying to keep it classy. Um, you, said, you said you were experimenting like 10 minutes ago. Like, this is, we're past classy. Anyways, we're well, that's normal at that age. So I don't know. in my past relationship, my current ex, um, we were together for four years. That was the next relationship that I had entered. I was 23. The greatest guy. So I had like had these duds, right? And then I finally met someone that was great. Like he's from the Midwest, had those Midwest manners and treated me great. Had a lot of respect and was loyal and was faithful. I had trusted him. Um, and it was great. We got along. He was like my best friend and he's a really good guy. But, you know, when all of the honeymoon phase goes away, the truth comes up, you start to see the cracks and I was really blind to it. And again, there's a theme of like self-betrayal for me number one. Number two, staying in a relationship when I knew I should have listened to my gut when, cause there's this voice that we all have where you either enter a room at the store and in interaction, wherever it is, like there's that little voice. that's like, this ain't it. Like, this isn't right. Mm. You know, and, or like, this isn't for me or, you know, and we ignore it so much. And so that was what was happening. There was times where I was like, this isn't right. This isn't it. But I stayed pushing because I was like, but this is a great guy. Like, I can't let this guy go. So it's like tale as old as time. A girl dates a lot of duds, finally meets a nice guy, feels compelled to like stay with them and obligated because they finally found a good guy on paper, right. in person, whatever. And then it's okay to not stay with a good guy basically at the end of the day. Um, there was a lot of insecurities. There was a lot of mistrust and there was a lot of, lack of understanding and there was just the emotional connection just couldn't puncture the surface because both parties, myself and him, we needed to do a lot of work mm. clearly. And, you know, it's over now. That was a rough breakup. Um, that sent me into a big spiral. <laughs> let's, let's, let's back up before we get to the spiral. Cause that's going to be another like five minutes. Right. No, that's good. Am I we, talking too much? The content is good. No, this is your this is your moment. People don't right. want to hear me talk about what I got to talk about. So, at one point during the four four and a half year relationship, did you get that feeling of this isn't it? And then subsequently, how long? How much longer did you keep trying to push through it? I mean, it's hard to say because. 
they're, you know, with relationships, they're kind of like this. Mm-hmm. It was never um, good, 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 and then bad. It was never that kind of graph. It was just kind of like, great, 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 great. Oh, we hit a bump. Oh, great, 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 great. We hit a bump, you know? And I think towards the end, like the last year we were together, that was when I was falling off, where I was like retreating. And I just, you know, I started protecting myself. And because you you just get tired of certain shit. You're just like, this is annoying now. (laughs) It's like three years. You can't look past certain things anymore. You can't make excuses for things anymore because now you're just, there's a lot of resentment. Mm. And resentment is the death of all relationships, a thousand percent. It is. It's one of the four horsemen. And it's definitely, um, it's like contempt is the last level of a relationship ending, basically. And resentment yeah. is like, right? It's like, it's like, it's, it's this cousin. It's like, I resent you. And then it's just everything you do. It's like waiting for its turn on the stage. Yeah. And then it's, here is it my moment i hate everything about you (laughs) (laughs) and that's when it is absolutely over you don't come back from contempt that's like the way they tie their shoes you're just like you you still do bunny ears you're 28 (laughs) you start you start tearing you can still cut the crust off your sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) do you eat crackers with two fingers like you just start like you just like you start taking apart breathing <laughs> really it yeah gets to, it gets to that point where they can say something good to you and you still hear it negative hey how was your day how the fuck was your day it's like it's like okay i'm sorry sorry it's toxic yes it's the highest level of toxicity and at that point it's just a matter of who's gonna pull the record first yeah <laughs> okay now we can flash back forward to the breakup because I know people want to hear how you got over it. Not necessarily yeah. the breakup itself, but like your journey. Cause every, cause no, no breakup is even right. Mm-hmm. Someone always kind of gets hurt more than others. And not every breakup that you have is the same, depending on how connected you were to the person, how long you're with yeah. that person, the stage of your life, you know, their status, all that stuff affects how breakups go. So Yeah. I mean, a thousand percent, every situation is so different and never any relationship is never the same. It could be similar, but it's never identical in experience. Um, so in my past relationships, I was always the person that ended things and I was cool. I said, it's over. I'm done. Done, done, done. Peace. We're gone. (laughs) We're out. I don't think, (laughs) I don't think about them again. Peace. I'm gone. I'm out. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like a fan kick. Okay, well, you just showing off now. Anyways, <laughs> I had to stretch. No. Anyways, so this one was gnarly. Um. So I, okay, it's complicated. Stay with me, guys. No, take, uh, your, take your time. So in the last year we were together, we had broken. He broke up with me. Um. It was a big blowout and I was devastated. I was like, this came out of nowhere. But I was like, okay, um, I'll just deal with it. And we ended up getting back together for six months and I was never the same because it felt like a test. Like this person did this to test me. The breakup or to getting back together? 
um, the breakup initially. Um, okay. It was almost like a test, almost like a test to see if I would be with someone else. Like, I don't know, in hindsight, it, it, it's shady. Um, and he admitted that it was a test essentially. So we got back together and we were together for six months and we had traveled to Morocco. We did Paris. Those are cool spots, right? Yeah, and living a life. Right. So it was pretty awesome. And it was probably one of the worst trips I've been on. Oh. He was just always on me. I was just like, why do you spend so much time getting ready? Like, I wish you spent time focusing on more important things. And I'm like, I'm not trying to look like a trash bag in Paris, the city of like love and like romance. And like <laughs> people are so trendy and chic in Paris. Like I'm not trying to look back on these pictures mm -hmm. and look like a trash bag. A trash bag. A trash bag. You want baguette. Like, well, that, was that was really bad. But anyways. It works. Let's go. <laughs> um, and it was a pretty terrible experience. And that's when I started having a lot more hate in my heart. I don't hate anybody, but it was just filled with like rage and animosity is the word and resentment. And that's when my guard started going up because I was like, he didn't want to take pictures with me or of me, mm. you know, like he thought I was just obsessed with Instagram. Like he was just very insecure, did not want me to do anything. He wanted me to be here. Like in his this little box, you know, and I was also in season with um, a football team that I used, that I danced for. And that was also an issue. Me being out there in a crop top, you know, we're athletic, we're dancers, like we're going to show our physique. And that was a problem. So you always make comments. And you know, at that point, it was September. So that's the start of the season. So <laughs> This is a lot of shit piling it's, on. It's, it's a lot. People are like, they're along for the ride right now. They're like, I got to see how this thing is. <laughs> we are strapped in. It's like yeah, so I was in season and he would complain about everything about me. It was just very critical, very, very critical. And now I started to see it. The goggles were off and I started to see it and it became louder and louder to me and it pushed me further and further. So, um, I got into a small car accident in September at the end. I was exhausted. I fell asleep at the wheel like for a split second and then I rear-ended somebody. I was just not well. I was not okay. And I remember saying to him, you know, I feel like the axis of my world is spinning off. Like I'm spinning in a different direction. I feel off balance. Like I don't feel right here. Like something's off. And I kept saying it. And you know, this is the person that's my partner. You know, this is a person I confide in. This is the person that I tell everything to. And, you know, that's such a heavy thing to accept for someone to, like, take that load on. And I didn't expect him to do that, but I expected some support. Yeah. He's a, he's some type of compassion, something. Nothing. He just kind of chalked it up to me being dramatic. Um, and that was really painful because I was struggling. And I didn't know, like, who else to tell. And um, time goes on, I struggled more and more. The relationship just wasn't the same. Like I wasn't attracted to him. Um, I wasn't like our love life, like it wasn't like our bedroom love life. Like it just wasn't, I just wasn't in it. It's like it wasn't. Love life, yeah. <laughs> we're better than that. It's, it's, we're better than that. I don't wanna, 
that levity into the situation, but bedroom love life sounds like something from I Love Lucy. I just did you mean? <laughs> wow. Classy, dude. What year is this? Is this the honeymooners? What year? What is this? Okay, our sex life went down the drain. There we go. Is that better for you? I think it's better. Jeez, I, I think it's better for I think it's better for everybody. I think the 80-year-olds listening to this pod are like, I remember bedroom love life. <laughs> that's how 80 year old sound to me so, oh my god so that started to go downhill I just would turn my back over and go to sleep like wouldn't connect I was very disconnected from myself and then I disconnected from everything externally my relationships my friendships my family my job um so I was spiraling more and more it was a snowball well let me let me ask you this before you continue because now this is on my mind at this point, you're, you've gotten back with them and it's spiraling, it's not going well. Why didn't you at that moment get out? Again, it's the tale as old as time. It's you just stay in relationships longer than they, you should be, you know, and they have already expired at that point. It's just you're not accepting it. And I think I was really blind to it. And again, it was the same concept that I mentioned, you know, I finally met a good guy. I can't let this good guy go like because in LA like the good guys are very they're slim pickings so is it so is it let me try to say it back to you the way I'm hearing it so is your thought it being I've dated a lot of bum trash dudes I finally got a good guy there's such few of them that I'm willing to put up with a bad relationship disrespect a subpar sex life because because there may not be more of those people out there. Is that basically what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the thoughts and one of the logics that you kind of go through and think about. Also, you know, you love the person. You, you weigh so much of, oh, we have history, our history together. Like, we can do this. Like, we can go through this. You, like, justify so many things. So you're essentially self-abandoning yourself at that point. Like, it's just self-betrayal. You know, you're not doing what's right for you and protecting yourself. But I wasn't equipped with those mechanisms yet at that time. Um, we dated from 23 till I was 20, what was I, 27? Um, and so, again, I, that's a hard gig to do. Like, who knows what the hell they're doing in relationships in their 20s? Like, I'm still discovering myself. And it's been a journey. It's been a process. And so... There's so many different things that go through your head to like make it a reasonable choice to stay. It's a good guy. You don't want to go back in the dating world. You love this person, but I wasn't in love with that person. So I couldn't differentiate those two, maybe mm. because I didn't want to accept it. Sure. So I, and I think I love this idea that I had envisioned. So we hold on, all, we hold on to a lot of, it's supposed to be this. So when it goes wrong, we're, it's so hard to let go of this vision and the supposed to be's and the history. It's so hard to grieve those things because that's when you come to terms with reality and mm. acceptance. And so, you know, acceptance is always the final step of grieving, right? So 
that was such a hard pill for me to swallow and I wasn't ready to take that on yet. And so I did everything I could. I, this was the problem. This was the solution right here. I mean, this is the solution acceptance. And I just orbited around it. <laughs> I would dance around it as long as I could, because I didn't want to face the truth because no one wants to be sad. No one wants to feel hurt. No one wants to be heartbroken. So that's why a lot of people stay in relationships that aren't good for them because Change is a hard thing and change is scary. Consistency is safe. And so I didn't know how to walk away, essentially. It sounds so stupid and basic and simple, but it's complicated. No, you're, listen, we've all been in relationships. So I think we all on some level vibe with you. Some have been in way worse. Some are in what you're talking about now. Some get caught up in entanglements. We know who they were. Entanglements. <laughs> like, I was gonna ask a question because this is, you were talking about the, what it should have been and then what is and that kind of dichotomy between, I know what reality is, but if I can just live in this fantasy, whatever. And then how difficult it would be to be sad to break up with someone and start over and be back in the pool. My retort to that would be, is it worse to do that? Or is it worse to stay in a situation that is toxic and you know is where you're betraying yourself and you know is every day eroding the fabric of kind of who you are? The person I am now will answer that question. Um, mm. <laughs> I think it's worse to stay. Um, just because you lose so much of yourself because you constantly are giving and giving and there's this push and pull and push and pull and it's exhausting and you max out a lot of your, you know, your spirituality, like your emotional being, like it, you just exhaust and deplete those things of yourself. And so staying in a relationship that you know that is over is the worst thing you can do because at the end of the day, you'll be fine you'll make it through and you'll meet someone. And if that person's not great, you'll meet another person. And if that person's not great, you'll meet another person. So as long as you can, you know that you can survive a bad situation, then I think going forward in life, you'll always know that you'll be okay. And I think that was like the first time in my life besides um, the situation with when I was 18, when I was physically assaulted, um, because I wasn't really coping at that time, right. but this time this was a different situation. Um, it hit harder and I was forced to like look in the mirror and deal with things. So, right. you know, I, that was the first time I had gone through anything very deep and dark. And so me knowing that I could make it out of that now, like going through life, I'm just like, I know I'm going to be okay. I've survived this. I could basically do anything. I like it. See, you see how it all came around? It all came full circle once you got past your bedroom life. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you get off that. I'm a so, child. Well, we're fine. This, this, <laughs> kid, this is kid friendly. -ish. So this you is said- This Disney Plus podcast. <laughs> no, Disney doesn't want to be a part of this. Not yet. So you mentioned earlier, you weren't equipped with the mechanisms and the techniques to get through all this. And now you've come on the other side. So how did you acquire the techniques and the mentality and all that? Like, did you have a support system? Was it purely therapy? Was it just introspection? What is it that helped you get from where you were in that abyss to where you are now? 
So in that tailspin, it was like an avalanche waiting to happen, you know? And it was just piling on more situations of like, you know, resentment and then contempt, you know, there was a lot of things that were happening that were really hurtful. And I was still in season. We ended up going to the Super Bowl, which is like the pinnacle of my dance career. That's the stage you want to be on, right? Right. I was so disconnected. I was so just not myself, but I still knew I had a job to do, but I just showed up. I was just like a body. My soul had just like taken off some other direction. Um, It just wasn't connecting for me. And so I was really numb and I was really in this horrible spot mentally. Like I was just checked out with life. Mm. And then I also had the weight of my relationship. This person again, wasn't listening to me when I had first said, I don't feel right. I have these intrusive thoughts and I don't understand them. I need help. Um, And that person took it as me like cheating, like physically, like going out and being a philanderer. (laughs) That person. (laughs) I almost walked away from my own podcast. I almost got up and walked out. I'm like, I'm not doing this with you anymore. Why? (laughs) It's fine. Philanderer is a word I didn't expect. I thought you were going to say Harlot, Jezebel, Trollope, anything else. And then you said, okay. A lot lizard. Lot lizards are real. (laughs) You got to watch out. (laughs) I just learned about that. They'll get you. (laughs) scary. It's rough out there, you know? I'll ask you like $20 for a blowjob or something. I'm going to tell you a story about that when we, when you finish your story. Okay. So anyways, so... (laughs) So I spiral, I come back from Super Bowl and this was the tipping point of everything of the relationship, you know, so he was taking me as being disconnected as like me being with someone else. Mm -hmm. So this person went through my phone, went through my computer, completely hacked everything of my stuff and completely stepped over a boundary of privacy that I think is important and went through all of my messages and there's private messages that I have with my girlfriends and we talk about guys like, and it's nothing inappropriate. And right. you know, I was in contact with somebody that it wasn't inappropriate by any means, but we connected on a level that like I needed, like I needed someone to understand what I was going through. And that was a good support for me. Um, and obviously like maybe I shouldn't have done that. And in hindsight, like I think I was just so emotionally dead. <laughs> that I was kind of backed into this corner and I made a stupid decision and that was kind of the end of that. And he tried to drag my family into it. He was sending my family screenshots of my own private conversations with my friends that were so irrelevant and have nothing to do with my family. He shut me out. He sent me a list. He made a list on the notes app of your iPhone of all the things I did in our relationship. I was like, that's petty. Did you have a Google Sheets of this for four years? Like, what? And so for the first time in my life, I had done wrong. And I grew up as a perfectionist, and I still kind of have those tendencies. Dance doesn't make it easy because dance is about precision. Yep. So I never got in trouble. I was always such a nerdy kid. That's why I say philanderer in bedroom love life. <laughs> Experimentation. Experimenting, whatever, curious. So I was always a nerd and I was always under the radar. I never got in trouble. I was always a good kid. And so this was the first time that I had done wrong. 
and I had hurt somebody and I lived my life always trying to do right. And so I spiraled. I just went off in the deep end and I went to therapy. The next day, literally he kicked me out of the apartment, sent me home, <laughs> broke up with me, didn't speak to me for like a month. But the next day after we broke up, I went to therapy because I was like, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't who I envision myself as a woman to be in a relationship, as a partner, as a sister, as a daughter, like as an employee, like this isn't me. Right. And I had to hit that rock bottom to finally pull the trigger on therapy because I think I was ready to face it. Because That's what happens. Yeah. So I went off the grid for a year. I wasn't on Instagram. I was just ashamed. I was in this shame prison because I put myself there. And then also this person put me there along with friends that became really close to me, put me there. Not one single person checked in on me. Like, not that they have to, but I think like, it should. Yeah, just like wishing you well, like, or just like, hey, I'm sorry that this is happening. There's only one friend that I'm still in contact with that she's been great. And that was really devastating for me. And so when something like that happens, you feel so alone. You're not alone because I have friends and family. Right. But I felt really alone and I was in a really dark and vulnerable place. And um, I wanted to end my life, but I didn't want to die. Like I didn't want to die. I just wanted to end this life that I was living and this pain and this sorrow. And I just wanted to be done with it because it was so deep. It was so, I keep saying dark. I just can't even describe anything else. It was just very something I've never experienced in my life. And I don't think anybody should experience this, but it fortunately does happen. Um, so there was a lot of things I was not facing that it kind of, you know, when you try to stuff a trash can and it's overflowing, it just kind of explodes. Right. So that was me. Um, so I, in my head, I had been so pushed to this corner on the shame train. I'm a fucking monster basically at this point, I've been painted this picture that I'm like this horrible person and you know, there's two sides to every story and there's the truth. And I feel like yep. my ex did not handle the breakup well. He dragged me through the mud for a really long time. And you know, when you do something wrong, you wanna make it right. True. So yeah, I came to terms with ending, wanting to end my life. Like I knew how I was gonna do it and I was going to do it. And then I stopped and I just thought about my mom. So my mom was showing up to my apartment every day to make sure I was okay. And like, I was in a lot of pain. It was, I was grieving and my heart was broken and I was just gone. So disconnected and didn't get out of bed. It was surprising to get out of bed. If I got out of bed and brushed my teeth and got out of the apartment, that would, that was like a big win, but I hardly did that. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you sound like you're describing elements of depression so i mean that's part of what it is so yes it's it's not pretty no one's like oh depression that's cute like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like no one's ever said that so what you're just not cute it's not cute yeah. so i made that decision and when people make decisions like that it's for different reasons and i've learned and i necessarily didn't want to die like i don't want to die um 
I just wanted this life to die. Like I wanted to move on. I wanted to not deal with this pain. I just wanted the quick fix. I couldn't face it. And I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel because it was so dark. Mm. Um, and so I went to therapy and that helped a lot. It was, therapy is tough though, because you got to peel back a lot of layers. <laughs> you start, like you said, <laughs> at the beginning, you start childhood, then the middle and then the current. And there's a lot of things that you talk about. And I'm going to be honest, the first session is hard because you're like, well, what do I talk about? Where do we start? You know, and then you kind of just start talking and then you start piecing everything together and then you start peeling back the layers more and more. Some days you're exhausted walking out of the office. Some days you're really liberated and happy and feeling free. Um, and there was a lot of things I had to come to terms with and make peace with from my childhood. My parents are interesting. Um, they're great parents. They just, it was rough growing up because their marriage wasn't the greatest and still isn't. So my <laughs> tying everything, everything together, my portrayal, like the portrayal of love and marriage and relationships as a young woman and a kid wasn't ideal. Right. And, you know, you live your life thinking things are normal because mom and dad are your authority. Like those are your authorities. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's who you trust, you know, that's who you learn everything from. And so you think it's normal and you'd say, oh, this is just who I am. I've been this way my whole life. Like blah, 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 blah. Like you make these things and excuses and then you go to therapy and you're like, okay, <laughs> okay. Like that's not right. And, you know, it's helped me to kind of look at my parents, like they're two human beings that had different life experiences It's a generational thing. It's generational lessons. It's generational upbringings that you can totally break the cycle. They know what they know with what they have and what they had. And you just have to be compassionate with them. It's really hard, but with that mindset, today now i'm able to have more patience with them um and just set my own boundaries and stuff like that and i didn't know what a boundary was until literally therapy this i mean listen i think what you're saying there's a lot that you said and yeah, sorry. no no it's this i don't want you to apologize for speaking your truth what i was saying is that i'm listening to hear what you have to say but i'm also continuing the pod so Part of me is progressing the conversation and also like trying to glean away like important stuff. There's a lot to like cover. <laughs> I know, but I know you. So I know, I know how you give it up. So, <laughs> but <laughs> one thing you mentioned, and I, this may have gotten lost in all of this is you were always trying to be a perfectionist and I identify with that, but I also know the, the calamity <laughs> that can lead to because when you're trying to be a perfectionist, you hold yourself to such an unreasonable standard mm -hmm. that it's never enough. And so it's hard to really ever be fully satisfied with yourself. Like mm -hmm. other than like school where you get a hundred on a test, all right, I got yeah. a perfect score on a test. Fine. That's yeah. an objective math situation. Right. In real life situations, you're never perfect in a relationship. Your food never comes out perfectly. You never look as pretty or as handsome as you want to look. And so, and if you're a musician, the song is never, uh, Comedian, right. the joke is never on point. You're a dancer. Like you said, it's about precision, but you practice the same dance 
over and over and over and over and over. So maybe one day you're like, I feel like I'm the best dancer here. The next day you feel like you're the fifth best. And then that bothers you because there's four better than you. And now it starts like kind of being right. a thing. And if your viewpoint is have to be perfect, then that's a really hard place to be. And that makes therapy difficult because you're trying to do therapy perfectly. And therapy is, yeah. and therapy, therapy is imperfect because it's trying to show you it's okay to be imperfect. There's, okay. perf there's perfection in your imperfections. And mm -hmm. if you try to make everything perfect, then that's against what it is. I don't want you to show me the best side of me. Like, yeah, I had a breakup two years ago, but I'm okay now. Like, no, 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 no. I don't, we, we don't we have to talk about that part. Let's, <laughs> let's get into the minutia. I want the dirt. Like, yeah. where's all that? Because that's where the growth comes from. That's where right. the liberation comes from. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest thing for perfectionists. I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> it, it doesn't work a lot of times. This, no. pod, this pod has helped tremendously with that interacting with so many different people itself with that because i see elements of myself and other people and i yeah. think maybe that's what led to the pod in the first place but i didn't want to do the pod and the listeners know this i didn't want to do a pod for a long time because i didn't know the perfect way to do it i was like i don't have the right setup i didn't have a green screen back then i was doing i was doing pods at equinox when <laughs> when it was when it was quiet i'm like is anybody here I'm gonna shoot pie real quick. And it was people coming in the room like, get out, do the podcast. <laughs> anyway, so it was at a yell, it was a whole thing. And it wasn't perfect. And part of me didn't want to put certain episodes out because I was like, what if it doesn't come across the way I want it to? What yeah. if it's not received as perfectly as I want it? Because you have this vision in your head for what perfection looks like. And then once you realize that even the vision in your head is distorted, then it makes everything in the real world easier to manage then you just right. try to do the best you can do and sometimes that comes out pretty damn good mm -hmm. but sometimes it doesn't work out but you always have a chance to get back on a horse and do better emotionally you can mm -hmm. go through the worst relationship ever but you can rebuild yourself to be a stronger person yeah it's because you went through that relationship that you're able to even rebuild and be a better person and then your story can help other people going through their own situation and maybe they don't have to go through it as far as you did because they have you as a guide. Yeah. Just like you said, your parents are, that's, that's our guide as kids. We see them as the litmus for what's, you know, adult-like, but they're just two people. They're our parents, but they're just two people. Yeah. And if you see them as these deities and then they betray that, then your worldview gets skewed, but really mm -hmm. they're doing the best they can, as you said. Yeah. As you meet more adults, you see, good relationships you start looking for them and you see really toxic ones and you kind of figure out i don't want what that toxic one looks like mm -hmm. i love my parents but i don't want what they have and you can use their experience as a learning point to then build a life in relationships and family and whatever that you want based on how they were living their life exactly that's why i say you can change and you can break the cycle like you can live your life however you want to set it up you know, you may have grown up a certain way and you probably don't want those elements in your life, but you have the power to make it different. And that's what I wasn't understanding for a long time. You know? We had some of those conversations. With the pinky up. <laughs> when in doubt, pinky out. We know what the rule is. This is, this is SpongeBob 2000. Like, come on. Oh we, my God. Like, you need to grow up. We're doing SpongeBob stuff here. Better um, love life. <laughs> like you're talking about me being a child. Um, no, 
but that's also pinky up is fancy. That's how I do simple stuff fancy. Like if you're okay. at a bar and I'm drinking cranberry juice, neat, because that's how I give it up. And I'm over here like, like, what that? like yo, what that? yo, what's that guy drinking over there? Like, you take little sips, keep the pinky up. Let's get you backpack on. You can't bring that to a club. Oh, okay. but I would if they allowed it to. But just I just that's how I do it. If I'm drinking my tea, I keep the pinky up. I let people know how fancy I am. They don't have to know what's in the, they don't have to know what's in the cup. You just know that's a fancy dude. Look at him over there. I don't that's think I would have that reaction. Here's the point. It doesn't matter if you do or don't. <laughs> because at one point I would be like, yo, why's that why's that girl looking at me all crazy? And you're like, why's that guy having his pinky up? I'm at the point now where I'm like, my pinky's going going on. The pinky's gonna be up regardless. Whether she gets it or she don't get it, the pinky's up. And that level of comfort is something that you gain after going through a lot. And because part of, part of perfectionism is being looked at perfectly by the people. That's a big part of it. It's not necessarily whether you're perfect or not. It's that it's the perception from the outside world that you're perfect. Mm-hmm. So, All about optics. Right. So me caring whether you like the pinky or not will fall in that category where if I walked in a room, people like even the backpack thing, like people who don't know me in real life, I wear backpacks most of the time. So there are people who are like, oh, I'll take the backpack, I'll grow up. But if that bothered me that people didn't like it or that it made them feel some kind of way, then I would stop doing it to appease the people. I would put my pinky down because you said something about it. I'm good with the bags. I'm good with the pinky. I feel I have my reasons for doing both and I'm good with it. I understand that every decision is going to have people who like it and there's some detractors. It's just the nature of the game. Yeah. And so as long as you're doing what you're doing righteously and you feel good about it and it makes you happy and it's not hurting anybody, this stuff makes me smile. When I put my pinky up, I start smiling like a little kid. And sometimes smiling is the hardest thing in the world to do. And if drinking water or orange juice with your pinky up gives you five seconds of bliss, there's not too many things better than that. And I don't need an outside stimulus to do that. It's like my own regulating source. So that's why. Pinky up. Boom. <laughs> now, when you drink some water, you don't put your pinky up and be like, he's right. This is oh great. Oh my God. <laughs> this is great. Why was I putting my pinky up this whole time? So we're gonna we're gonna wrap soon, but you're now we can touch on this lightly. You're in a current relationship now, right? Yeah, and that's interesting because oh, Joe, maybe we're not going to get off this. All right, let's go. Let's let's, let's hear for the juice. So, um, I thought well, be- I mean, so you know, when you go through a breakup, you're trying to make amends, right? You're not ready to let it go. True. And it took me a long time to figure out that this person was never going to choose me, even though they had one foot in and one foot out. They couldn't figure it out, so I had to make the decision to walk away because this person kept you know, the wound kept put pouring salt into that wound every time. And it was just like this cycle, right. you know, and I just, you just, it doesn't click. And it takes a long time because again, you don't want to accept it. You do everything you can to not accept. So I am in a relationship. It was literally the last thing I ever wanted coming out of that debacle that I had experienced. Right. You know, that's the last thing I wanted. 
I was like, no, like I can't do another relationship. Like I'm really, there's some things that I need to work on. I had to step away from a lot of things in my life to work on my mental health and like make some peace with certain things because I was like, I can't keep living my life like this. There was a lot of things, like I said earlier, like I lacked was like coping mechanisms, how to handle my emotions, understanding my triggers. And honestly, like at this point in my life, going into my thirties, I'm closing out twenties. I understand who I am as a woman. And obviously like I'm going to go through more stuff in life, but at least I'm equipped with more armor. You know, I was out of tools. I was like, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going <laughs> to do something really impulsive and, you know, not think about it clearly and not think straight. Um, but with therapy, like I said, it's given me those tools to cope and deal with my emotions or deal with triggers or like walk myself through things. I have this like triangle of hell of depression, anxiety, and perfectionism. A lot of it has subsided. My anxiety still exists in different shades, but I'm now able to kind of walk myself through it. Breathing techniques, you just stay away from things that trigger you. And so I met somebody... I was introduced to this person by, from a friend. I was such a bitch to this person. <laughs> I was not in the right headspace. I was sleeping. I was going through it. I was in the thick of it. And I was just like, I think of like an emo girl, like goth, like just think of that darkness. Like, 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 like Daria. <laughs> yeah, like just darker than that. Oh. And this person was really sweet to me and I was just like, ah, I'm not into this right now. Like I'm not, I don't want to go on a date. I don't want to like do anything. And you know, this person stuck around for an entire year, like tried and wasn't trying in a creepy way. He was just really great as a friend in the beginning and was really supportive and had a really great perspective on life. And I feel like we, I finally met someone that I was interested in on the same level playing field emotionally, you know, that could go in depth in conversations and wouldn't shy away from like hard conversations. And we could talk about anything under the sun and there's no hard feelings and there's no like afterthoughts like, wait, is this like him being this or is he alluding to this? Right. Like, you know, there's no insecurities. It's just us being ourselves. And I finally gave him a chance. Because at that point I'd realized like I would never be with my ex again. And I think I was just trying to repair something that I broke because I thought that was the right thing to do, but that's not what I ever wanted to begin with. And that's something that's hard for people to differentiate. Right. Are you trying to repair this because you truly want this? Or are you trying to repair this because that's just an instinctual thing, I you know, or like, yeah. what was that? I think there's a, there's a question, a third question you're not asking yourself in there was, would that energy be better served repairing yourself because you also broke that? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I also chose. So finally chose myself <laughs> after quite some time. <laughs> and I'm with someone that's great and it's really healthy. Sometimes I'm like, is this, is this boring or is I'm just used to like drama? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I can, I know somebody likes their drama. <laughs> you, you want some tea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? There's no one else in this room. I just like looking around. <laughs> Y'all give it a, you know what I'm um, saying? Yeah. So I've done the work and 
you know, I was really hesitant for a really long time, but he stuck by me and showed me who he was constantly and kept trying to prove to me that he was a good guy and that he would show me a better version of a relationship. And it's really crazy that you can spend four years with someone and you can meet someone and they can show you a whole different life and a better experience in a matter of a year or months. And, you know, and at first I kind of grappled with this idea of like, am I codependent? Like, why am I in another relationship? You know, those thoughts were going in my head and I just kind of said, fuck it. And I was like, why not? Like, why am I trying to like be this person that I, people want me to be, or like feel like they're going to look down on me or society says you're supposed to go through a breakup this amount of time and you're not supposed to be with someone here. You know what I mean? Whose voice is that? Is that that how society talks? Yeah. That's my Karen voice. You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) Cut that out of the podcast, please. Oh no, that's Stan. That may be, I may be, I may be the the part we use as a trailer. You know, your bedroom love life. This sounds like a bad Steve Urkel impression. Um, anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Anyways, so I met this person and I'm happy and he's great and he's shown me really good things. Like it's just um, everything that I, you know, the things, things come to you unexpectedly and you have to be willing to see it. And sometimes you're not and you miss it. Does it come back to you again in life? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And so I just, I really wanted to make sure that I was okay and I had moved on. And I think I had moved on a long time ago from my ex. I, like I said, I think I was just hanging on because I wasn't ready to face the truth of how I personally felt. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in love with this person for a really long time. And this new relationship that I'm with, this person that I'm with, um, he gave me the space to heal. He did the right amount of like push and pull, push and pull of like, you know, I'm not going to be this person that's going to like dip my toe into your situation. Like I want you to figure this out on your own because I don't want you to be influenced by me and what, what I want. You know, he's like, I want to be with you eventually. And so he never stepped over that line, which I respected a thousand percent. And, you know, he's had gone, he's gone through some stuff with the relationship that he was in. So he brought a lot of perspective and a lot of things that were helpful for me to think about. And there's just this level of transparency and trust in our relationship. And that's what I thrive on with everything that I've gone through in life. I think finally, this is what I've needed is just trust, transparency, communication, someone that's not fucking loser and someone that is a loser in a way that's like shy or like scared to face a lion you know or go in the arena you know he's not scared i can ask him any question under the sun he'll literally do this every time pulls up a chair sits down stops everything he's doing and is like singularly focused on our conversation so finally (laughs) i've done the work (laughs) I've acknowledged what I've needed in life. The biggest lessons I guess I could say is self-betrayal is 
a bitch and you got to figure out how to keep choosing yourself. And you know, like you're going to choose yourself, but you're also going to hurt someone in the process, but that's not your problem. Right. You know, like someone might get hurt. Someone might get their feelings hurt because you choose to protect yourself or you choose to be, you know, alone or whatever it is, but that's your own personal preference and you know what's good for you. And that was a huge lesson I learned. I learned boundaries. I learned <laughs> just life lessons. Yeah. Self-betrayal is something women do a lot. It's not just, it's not exclusive to you guys. Guys do it too. And men do it too. But I think society holds women to this insane standard that we have to betray who we really are because society says that we should be this. Like when people tell me you should smile more and I'm like, no, or you'd, you'd be, you'd be more approachable if you smiled more and like, okay. Like you should be this, you should be that, you should be this. I mean, we've been hearing that since we were like 12 years old as girls, like you need to wear dresses because you're a girl or you need to wear this because you're this. And if you don't wear this, then you're not this. If you don't do this, you're not this. So it's like this stigma that has been circulating our lives for a really long time. And, you know, when women say that they're selfless, it's actually not selfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not a compliment that I think I would love to be the number one. Cause I feel like, you know, when you're a mother, you abandon yourself essentially. And I think the greatest gift you can give your kid is to keep doing you and keep living your life because you influence so much of your kid their behavior, their decisions, and that if they keep, they see their mom choosing herself, obviously you're not leaving your kid at the parents' house and going clubbing every fucking night. Like, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Mom at the club giving it up. That's not what I'm saying, but in the sense of, like, taking care of your being, taking care of your soul, like, nurturing yourself with good things to make you that better person. So, it's just you got to look at inventory in your life and the people in your life who's dragging you down, who's bringing you up and you got to make decisions because life is pretty fucking short. And that's really cliche to say, but it really is. I feel like as you get older, time just goes by fast and you can't be living it under what people think and what you think society thinks or whatever. Like you just got to do what makes you happy. The only thing that dies with you is your reputation at this point. I'm going to close with this because you've said something that sparked two thoughts in my mind. So I want to make sure I say them because people want to hear it. Um, the first one is when I hear the term society says, society is a faceless, nameless entity. And so I don't have any obligation to impress or to abide by what that is because ultimately society doesn't determine your worth you do right right so mm-hmm. if society says you have to do this you can say no i don't society may try to you know put you into a box but you have to allow yourself to go there right just right. like you have to lie, just like you allow yourself to feel bad if society says you shouldn't be doing that you say but i'm doing it and they say you're wrong for doing it you feeling bad is your side of that exchange just like being mm-hmm. offended is a two-sided exchange 
I can say something really offensive to someone and they can choose not to be offended. Society can tell me what to do, try to like come at me, but it's up to me to kind of let them do that. And if you don't let society do that, you don't let society dictate. People who change the world are people who tell society, I'm gonna do what I want. That's that's, That's who innovates. That's who starts businesses. That's who creates the world. People told, you know, Tesla, you can't make a car that can drive 200 miles an hour without gas. He's like, okay, <laughs> watch me. Now, watch everybody's, me. <laughs> now everybody's like, can I get a Tesla? Oh, sorry, we're back order for two years. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Apparently, they're pretty popular. Hey, man, you can't, you can't put 2,000 songs in something this big. All right. Watch me. And while it's happening, yeah, you, you, have to, you have to be a pariah at some point. You have to be able to take those licks. But if you can get through what that is, the other side of that is you being celebrated, you getting salvation. But even that doesn't really matter because it's still the same society who try to tear you down celebrating you, right? So it's really mm-hmm. your own internal compass of, I think this is the right thing to do. I think this is going to do the, right, the most right by me and my family. This not necessarily makes me happy per se, but I'm not betraying myself. Betraying right. yourself should be a non-negotiable. Like when you start dating, mm-hmm. the people who are single, when you're dating, or if you're getting a Hollywood, I think that's, they both go kind of side by side. You should have a list of non-negotiables. And the minute you feel like those are being infringed on, that's when you put the, the brakes up. So let's say you want to be a model. You say, okay, my non-negotiable is I'm not doing new modeling. That's a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a high level. It's like, you know, if you want the real money, the real money isn't doing new stuff. You won't get to that point where it's like, oh man, I didn't want that extra money. And now you have to compromise yourself. You set up a non-negotiable. Hey, there may be more money there, but I don't want to be that person. So I'm not going right. to do it. And they can say, but all the, all the big acts have done it. Look at so-and-so. Hey, that's cool. Go hire them. I'm not doing it. And then, because that's a non-negotiable for you, just like you betraying yourself. You can't choose your partner over your partner's happiness, over your own happiness to your own detriment. That should be a non-negotiable. It's like, yes, I want to make you happy. You want to make me happy. We make each other happy. But if I feel like I'm sacrificing myself to make you happy, I'm betraying my own personal circle, my own Mm non-negotiable. And I can't ever get to that point. And that's when it's time to break up. Not... A year later, when I've hated you and I've been curbing you in bed and like faking sicknesses and all types of other stuff to avoid touching you, it's the minute I realize, wait a minute. Go sleep on the couch. <laughs> oh, I just want to watch the rest of the Laker game, but they don't. This is a rerun. I know. I just didn't watch it all last time. Let me just lay on the bed. So that's the same. Find out what your non-negotiables are and stick to them, and don't let society dictate how and where you should move within respect to the law. I'm not saying don't go out and do crystal meth because it's illegal. Like, I don't care what you say society. Like, <laughs> this level of students is like, I love Breaking Bad. I'm like, all right, well, calm down. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, but, it's just about that journey of self-discovery of like knowing who you are because it's hard to figure it out. Um, sure. You can be misguided very easily. You your upbringing has been detrimental to maybe like your growth or whatever it is you know I think it's important to make peace with those things and I 
think therapy is good for everybody. It doesn't mean that you have to go through something traumatic to go see a therapist. I think therapy is, we're these vessels and we hold on to a lot of things and experiences and emotions that we, there's such limited outlets that we have, you know, there's only such a bandwidth that we can release those things. So I think therapy is probably one of the best things you could ever do for yourself. It's investing in yourself and investing in your growth and your future and how you become as a person and your happiness. Like, dude, I haven't been so happy. Not because I'm in a relationship, not because I'm this, I'm just finally at peace with myself and at peace with my experiences. And the biggest thing is forgiveness, dude. Like, I'm not talking like, God forgives everybody type of deal. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying forgive someone and like let them back in your life. I'm saying forgive a situation by making peace, whether it's in your mind, in your heart, whatever it is, um, in order for you to move on. It's like holding your breath underwater and wishing someone else would drown. That's holding on to anger and not forgiving a situation. You're never going to win. So that's something I had to figure out. I think you're right. And we're going to wrap there. Thank you guys for tuning in. See how you see, I just ended like, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Jen, this has been a nice deep dive. Thank you for being honest and transparent and for owning your story, which is a hard thing to do for a lot of people. We want to like put the, put the edited version out and owning your story is owning the good and bad parts. And hopefully someone can hear this Maybe they're going through a similar experience and take something from it, help their own life. So they can maybe have a, a testimony. I know you, you say you're not the God person, but testimony is, I guess, it's not necessarily religious, really just you telling your story and how you came through something. So they can get their own testimony based on some of the things you've said. And maybe I said a couple of cool things. Who knows? This is not really my moment. But <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I feel like I said a couple, but that's not it's either here nor there. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back soon with more pods. Catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Hit us up on a YouTube channel at the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. Subscribe. All the past pods are up. So if you want to catch up, that's a good way to do it. And see visuals, because if you're listening and you don't know how cool my hat looks or how nice Jen's hair looks right now. So watch it online. Yeah. See that? Woo! Anyway. Thank you guys soon again. We'll see you guys next time. Deuces. Bye.